1: Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Politicus, the podcast from Palcus, the Portuguese-American Leadership Council of the United States. It is great to be with you. This is a conversation with Portuguese-American elected officials, Portuguese-Americans in public service in various parts of the U.S., this time with a representative from the great state of Rhode Island, just recently elected to the Rhode Island General Assembly, and that is Representative Thomas Noray, a Democrat from that great state. Welcome, Representative.
2: Thank you, Denise. It's uh, great to be here today. I appreciate the invitation.
1: It's our pleasure. Uh, Let us uh, start a little bit about your Portuguese connection. We have talked a little bit before, and uh, I think it's fascinating. I think it's the wave of the future, how we're going to find out people who have uh, some connection to Portugal through uh, the new DNA and, and different types of testing. So tell us a little bit, of, first of all, about yourself, who is uh, Thomas Noray and how, um, how you became involved and also part of the Portuguese-American community in that area.
2: Wow, that's a mouthful. So uh, I know, I know, it'll take a I, while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. So uh, again, uh, Thomas Noray, I'm uh, from Coventry, Rhode Island, presently. District 25, which covers Coventry and West Warwick. West Warwick is a larger portion of my district and is a highly populated uh, Portuguese population in my district. So I'm 50 years old. I grew up, uh, lost my father at a young age, grew up with a stepfather, Uh, lost him at a relatively young age, and uh, raised by my mom, which I think makes me a, a pretty sensitive and in tune type of person. Graduated from uh, Bishop Hendricken High School in Rhode Island, a uh, Catholic high school. Went on to the Community College of Rhode Island where I obtained a degree in criminal justice. I joined the Air National Guard here in Rhode Island and spent four years in the Rhode Island Air National Guard as a military police officer. And in 1992, became a Coventry police officer uh, 1995, I ended up buying my first house with my future wife, who was from my district in West Warwick, uh, high uh, college sweethearts, and uh, we got married in 1996 and have been married. Uh, it'll be 23 years in September. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. So, uh, as a Coventry police officer, I worked a lot with the community. And I was very involved in both Coventry and West Warwick because that's where my wife was from and spent a lot of time in that area. I became very friendly with uh, all of her childhood friends and people from the neighborhood. And again, West Warwick is a huge, huge population of Portuguese people from San Miguel. Uh Um, So I I just became very close with them and, and always had a great relationship with the all the the new people that came into my life in 2016 I took uh, an ancestry DNA test I was raised always believing that I was French Canadian and half and half European uh French because of my father being uh, the European side mm-hmm. I come to find out I'm 10% Portuguese and, uh, through my research with my father's family, uh, the connection goes back to the Iberian Peninsula where my fourth great grandfather married a woman from that area. Uh, so it was amazing for me to go from here. I am being told that I'm a hundred percent French all my life. And I find out that I have some different heritages. It's really, uh. It's kind of refreshing to know that, you know, I am that melting pot kind of person uh, here in the United States, not just uh, not just of one heritage, and it and it's great for me because of the friends and family that I'm I'm so familiar with being around. It really it kind of uh, explains to me how I've built such great relationships with these people knowing that we just we have so many things probably in in common
1: correct and so from the area the area that you're in um in west warwick there's uh, as you mentioned it's a gr- huge uh, representation of uh, portuguese americans namely from the azores names from namely you know, mostly from the island of san miguel and of course you grew up in this community correct
2: so i i've grown up as an adult in this community so okay. i lived in a different community as a child mm-hmm. um but Again, meeting my wife at 21 years old, this is, yeah, so being 50 now, I've spent the better half of my year uh, mm-hmm. my lifetime and years uh, in, in that community. So about a year and a half ago, we uh, joined the St Anthony Parish, uh, which is in the district as well. And Father Victor Silva is, uh, he's a breath of fresh air in again, so St Anthony uh, parish. They do their first Mass of the day in Portuguese. I don't speak Portuguese, so I go to the uh, the English Mass, uh, which happens, but I've become very involved in the parish uh, because of Father Silver. In fact, this weekend we have our our feast, and uh, I'm going to be volunteering down at the, the parish to do work there. And I try to, again, like I said earlier, stay active in the community. I uh, coach youth basketball, I've been doing that for uh, close to 17 years now. So uh, again, very active with the community and I've really uh, taken a liking to everything about it. It's just, it's a great district. It's, it's got so much to offer as far as the people. And uh, I'm, I'm very proud to represent this district.
1: Now, Representative, you, uh, as you mentioned, had a, a long and distinctive uh, career in uh, law enforcement, and just recently, you were elected this last time around to the uh, to the Rhode Island General Assembly. What kind of made you take that step from such a long service, uh, a long record of public service, but in uh, law enforcement and jump into the political arena?
2: So that's a fantastic question because it it really. I did really take a a jump. So when I retired from the Coventry Police Department in 2012, I, I really enjoyed, my last five years, I did financial crimes. So I really enjoyed being an investigative type of law enforcement officer, if you will. And I was looking to extend my career, but you know, as in many things, you know, when it's time to go, things are changing. You kind of know that it's time to go. And uh, I have two young daughters at home. Uh, one's uh, going to be 12 next month, Addison, and a nine year old daughter, Robbie. So, my children, uh, I really wanted to give them some time because as a police officer, you spend a lot of time uh, out of the house at all different days and times of the day holidays' it's, it's a it's really a twenty four seven type of job, so uh, I retired and to spend some time with them, but knew that my second career would definitely stick along those lines of public service and uh, I worked for the Rhode Island Division of Taxation. I got hired as a investigator there, and uh, I worked there for six years until June of two thousand and twelve and i I was just realizing while i was there that there was so much money being lost that as an investigator i i just couldn't really make the changes that needed to happen it was it was great that i was you know still in public service and i was still doing the job that i love so much but i really wasn't having the impact that i knew that uh, i could have Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was that you can make changes, but your your people above you, the people that supervise you, have to be willing to adapt and listen. and And I was I was at a crossroads at that point, and uh, I announced my candidacy for public office, and found that there is a law in Rhode Island that prohibits a classified employee or quote unquote, a union employee from announcing candidacy from office. So when I announced my candidacy, I was then told uh, within a couple of days that, hey, since your announcement, you're in violation and and you need to either withdraw candidacy or resign. And and I was super passionate about uh, knowing that I really wanted to continue to make the, the best and greatest change that I could. And the only way for me to affect that was, uh, to resign from my position. So when I found out that I was violating that, I immediately resigned from my position that same, same afternoon and put 150% into my candidacy. And, uh, I began walking the district and talking to everybody that I could talk to and figure out what people, you know, wanted from me as a representative. And, uh, Six months later, uh, well, actually four months later, I was elected. Six months later, I was sworn in on uh, January 1st, New Year's Day. So New Year's Day 2019 will be a uh, very special day for me uh, for the rest of my life.
1: Fantastic. So when you started, when you began uh, this, uh, you know, bid for public office, how important from your perspective and was the... uh, the Portuguese American vote, in other words, how important to to you getting elected was this community that you that you are part of?
2: It's it's solidified, to be honest with you, my vote. My district is in West Warwick. Again, seventy five percent of my district is uh is the town of West Warwick, and and it's the majority of voters that that turn out for me. I can only tell you that I think without the support of the Community friends and family that I know are of Portuguese descent that rallied behind me. I mean, sign locations for within the community. It it was absolutely, absolutely huge. And uh, that's, uh, if it wasn't for them, I I don't believe I'd be uh, elected and talking to you here today.
1: So, so you would say that uh, Portuguese Americans basically participate in the electoral process, uh, or a good number of them, anyway, in your in your district.
2: Absolutely, they do. But let's. So I'll I'll go back on a realistic side. We could all be better participants in the process. And again, you and I have uh, discussed this as well off air. We need to have greater participation from our young people or in, in, in all generations. So I'm not gonna, I, you know what, I won't, I won't single out any one group. We, we all could do a better job of turning out to vote and, and support the candidate we feel will best represent us in our community. I feel that, you know, we're in, we're here, we're in a, a, you know, in that 50 percentile range, which you know, half the people should not be choosing who's going to represent them, but it it does. But let's face it, you know, 50% is actually a a relatively reasonable number when you look at globally, Mm -hmm. some of the numbers that, that turn out. And again, if I can continue, uh, there was, I have a a small little story. So uh, when I was recently out, in lisbon for the conference for flat on the way home i i met a gentleman that was uh driving us back to the airport and uh i I would say he was mid-30s and he asked you know why we were there and and what our what our cause or purpose was and and i explained you know we were you know politicians and we were here on a on a political mission to bring the two countries together and discuss our our issues and and how we can support each other and uh his immediate response to me was, well, I'm not interested in politics. I I don't really know much about it. So I, I just started asking him some questions. I told him I was able to meet the president and, and, uh, the different things. And, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, I don't vote again, not interested. So I said, well, I said, I recently heard like a, an astonishing fact, like 18% is the, was the last number in the election. And And uh, he did say, oh, yeah, I did hear something like that. It was, you know, I said, do you you really feel that 18 percent is a representation, a fair and accurate representation of your of your people to pick who is going to lead you? And he said, no, but but if you're not interested, what are you going to do? And I I just that really uh, resonated with me that, you know. People really do feel that way. And uh, we need to change that. We need to, again, you know, 50 percent. Uh, I'll live with 50 percent, but we, we need to get those numbers up globally so that really that people are choosing their the best leader.
1: Correct. And uh, talking about that presence, uh, your presence and the presence of other Portuguese Americans at the uh, conference in Lisbon, I know this, I believe this was your first time uh, participating in the FLAD legislative dialogues. What were your impressions of the uh, dialogues themselves? And uh, as you mentioned, uh, these uh, these things are important, obviously, for both countries. But what were your impressions? And uh, uh, other than, of course, meeting the different dignitaries, what kind of takeaways did you get from uh, those uh, two and a half days?
2: It was fantastic. I'm looking forward to the uh, next legislative dialogue. I provided some feedback to the executives before I left. I thought that the speakers were fantastic that we were able to hear from. Uh, I think that we could do better in having more of like a back and forth kind of Q&A, question and answer, uh, where everybody has an answer. But it was a a fantastic opportunity. I I really got a better understanding of, of what the country needs or expects from the United States and what we do and don't provide. I think that you know, yes, we have a, we'll talk about the military. We have a military presence there, but we could do more to support that, I I, I think, in, in listening to what's there. And uh, I, I, you know, on a state level, I understand I'm not that person that makes that decision, but I can understand how Portugal would like, love to see more of that. On the science side, I was I was very impressed with the advances and and what Uh, The Portuguese government is how they're investing in in experimenting and looking into, you know, education wise for the sciences. I I just, yeah, there's some, there's some great opportunities there for the government and uh, what you guys are doing there.
1: And, of course, as you see uh, that Rhode Island having such a large percentage of Portuguese Americans, uh, it is a state with the uh, largest percentage-wise, uh, maybe not in numbers, but in percentage-wise of Portuguese Americans in, in the U.S., um, do you see that uh, as Portugal moves forward also because the country is a much different country than it was uh, 40 or 50 years ago, as uh, most of the speakers alluded to. Uh, do you see there's also potential for Portuguese-Americans who live in Rhode Island to have uh, not only a better understanding of the country where they or their forefathers, most of their forefathers came from, but also uh, as a, a role in uh, investment in, uh, in science, in uh, all kinds of in the arts, et cetera, and in every different type of exchange?
2: Yes, absolutely. Uh, again, uh, so I, I know there's a little bit of an issue right now with uh, transportation back and forth from the East Coast to uh, San Miguel. Uh, I know we could work on on that and uh, get people back and forth more readily uh, than than we're doing. But I, I just think that there's there's so many opportunities, and in just speaking about the opportunities. Uh, which is one of the takeaways that that I got from that conference, was that there's opportunities for our young Portuguese-American students who are graduating West Warwick High School that would like to go over and, and uh, go to college there. There's some great opportunities. College is much more affordable than it is here. There was just so much information that came out of uh, the dialogue I, I was uh, I was overwhelmed to be honest with you. Uh,
1: focusing now on uh, on your district and your work in in Rhode Island, your work in the Rhode Island General Assembly. What are some of the committees uh, that you're uh, part of, and what are some of the key issues that uh, you're heavily involved in? If you don't mind sharing those with us.
2: Yeah, no, not at all. So uh, I was I was very happy. So we, when we get elected, we we can get a, a, a request letter and, and ask like, what our interests are. And uh, I appreciate that the uh, leadership takes that into consideration. So with my law enforcement background and being from two different labor unions uh, for 26 years, uh, I was able to be on the Judiciary Committee as well as the Labor Committee. Uh, I was chosen uh, very happily for both of those. And then uh, I expressed my uh, passion for the oversight aspect of the State House and the General Assembly because of coming from taxation and the story I told earlier, where I saw that there were changes that that could and should be made to make our state better. And uh, so I was very uh, pleased and, again, happy with leadership that I was also uh, chosen to be on the oversight committee. And then uh, the last committee that I'm on is a special legislation committee. And, and there's an assortment of bills that come in front of that committee from uh, solemnization of marriage when two people want to be married outside of uh, the church by a just a piece or individual. They request a solemnization and someone needs permission to marry them to one of the pieces that came in front of us uh, this year was, uh, you know, a license plate for with the, you uh, the New York Yankees symbol on the license plate. So it, it's a broad range of things that uh, you get to decide and choose from. Uh, and I was picked to be on that committee as well. So I, I sit on four committees, which keeps me very busy. Uh, but I'm I'm extremely uh, satisfied and and uh, pleased and happy to do that.
1: You mentioned when you were talking about the increasing, even though we're, you know, 50% is not bad as far as participation in the, in the political process, uh, the voter. Some of these uh, areas in the world, including Portugal's recent election for the uh, European Parliament was uh, really sad. Um, but you mentioned political involvement and political participation. We cannot, uh, you know, uh, move forward, obviously, uh, uh, without speaking a little bit about some of the division that's going on in the political political uh, world right now, uh, some of the things that are going on uh, in Washington, you know, at, uh, whether it be uh, at the uh, White House level, Congress, et cetera. And so how, how, how does the, the political world from a national standpoint, from all that's going on nationally, how does that affect someone at the state level or does it even affect it?
2: So there is definitely a trickle down to how it affects us because as you see those national problems there are those same types of issues. They're not as uh, defined or as publicized or as negative, I mm-hmm. guess you would, you could probably say as it is on the federal level, but there's definitely a, a difference of opinion between parties and within, within parties. I mean, they're, they're there. Correct. The, the way we just need to try to encourage people and I think one of our biggest problems is and I say this all the time in life as well as in politics you can't read someone's tone or demeanor in a text or an email and we or let's say a tweet we we put out information and it may not be what we want to say or how we want to say it but it comes across that way and I think that People rely, especially, and again, so I will pick out on the younger generation now, people rely too much on social media in order to voice their opinion. And I think that if we spent less time on social media, more personal interaction, that face-to-face conversation, that telephone call, that interview with each other, like like we're doing now. My words would certainly be different if I were to answer this in say a two page paper than what I'm saying to you now. People can judge your tone, your your reflections in your voice and, and kind of get the feeling of where you're coming from and what you're trying to say versus just putting those words on, on paper. And I think that if we could get our younger generation to spend less time in social media and more time face to face and getting them to understand the importance of their involvement politically is not just by sending a tweet or putting a negative post on a social media website or a rant i think we would be we would grow as a country as a nation as a world
1: Great. And uh, indeed, indeed, conversation is very important, uh, not just with the folks that we agree with, but also those who we happen to disagree with. As we come to the end of the podcast, fascinating. Thank you so much for, first of all, taking the time uh, to be with us uh, for this uh, great conversation. And uh, because uh, you mentioned also the young people and uh, most of our listeners, we have listeners from all age groups and all facets of life, uh, but lots of our listeners are young people who tune in regularly to different podcasts. And so to those who are young and those not so young like myself in the 60s, but may be thinking about public service. Uh, I'd like us to end with maybe a little call uh, from action from your perspective. Uh, So those who are involved in their community or not as involved, but have an issue that they care deeply about, whether it's a Portuguese-American issue or a general issue that affects all of us, actually, all of the issues affect Americans, affect Portuguese-Americans. What would be some words of advice that uh, you, who just came off an election not too long ago, are new to public service uh, would give to those who are thinking about getting involved, and especially because you have the uh, experience coming from law enforcement, coming from lots of community service, to sometimes people. One of the things that we find uh, is that uh, when we talk to different folks in our communities uh, that A lot of people believe that every single decision is made at the congressional level or at the national level, whether it be the presidency, the Supreme Court, Congress, etc. But there are lots of decisions that are made at statewide level. There's lots of decisions that are made at local level, in mayor's offices, etc. So um, whether one is thinking about belonging or running for a school board or a uh, city council or a regional office or a statewide office or even national office, what would be uh, some key points that? you would like to uh, give them
2: so my first thing i would say is is volunteer go out in the community find an organization volunteer but volunteer with your ears open and your mouth kind of closed a little bit <laughs> absorb some of the information that you're receiving get an idea of what where people are coming from because those are the people that are let's call it grassroots on the ground that have issues that you'll be able to hear and know those issues and if you find that you're passionate about any of those issues as you'll find many of those people are then you know that public service might be the right place for you and and move forward start at the smallest level again I start I took a I took a huge leap I went from never serving to going to be a state representative, that that's a pretty big leap. Obviously, not as big as you know, running uh, being a police officer and then running for Congress. But I took a very large leap. I didn't serve on a, a, a town committee, I didn't a school committee, as you said. But if your passion is education, get on a school committee. Get on a a, a board that serves for the community uh, with the school committee. Volunteer at the school. Hear what the problems are, and and you know if, if we could just get a uh, you know a handful of people in every community to take a proactive approach to listen and try to affect positive change it would grow each community and and we would expand our state our country our counties whatever it is it would make us and put us in better places and seriously globally i think it would have a great great effect on uh, the way we do things.
1: Well, State Representative uh, Thomas Noray, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, share your thoughts uh, and your experiences and your uh, service. Uh, thank you for serving in the Air National Guard, and thank you for your service, uh, long service in the police uh, force. So thank you for your service uh, once again, and uh, and especially also uh, now in uh, the state uh, legislative body in Rhode Island. And best of luck to you. We hope to continue seeing you in politics, whether it be at a Rhode Island state or Maybe who knows it's uh, at the national level again. Thank you so much for your
2: time. We appreciate it No, thank you. I appreciate it. And again, thank you for all that you are doing
1: and folks. That's it for this edition of uh, politicus a uh, podcast on politics from a portuguese American perspective by the portuguese-american leadership council of the United States palcus and with special funding as well from flat we thank you for joining us. Please uh, listen to us. Please leave a comment on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on any of the different platforms that Politicus is available. Once again, we uh, thank you for your tuning in. We thank you for being with us, and see you next time on another edition of Politicus.
0: Thank you for listening to Politicus, the official podcast of Palcus, the Portuguese-American Leadership Council of the United States. Palcus is the premier national organization representing the interests of the Portuguese-American community at large. To learn more about Palcus and how to become a member or to make a donation, visit www.palcuspalcus.org. To submit feedback or suggestions about the podcast, email us at palcus@palcus.org. At the views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of the show are not endorsed by Palcus. Politicus is made possible through the support of the Luso-American Development Foundation.